Good morning. Uh, today's scripture is Mark 7, verses 1 through 23. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well did, Isaiah, well did Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all food clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. If you were here last week, you know that Jane White is now going, Phew. I didn't have to read that one. Because uh, we tend to give her the longest ones that we can do. This, um, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, in Sydney. I flew over to Sydney. And um, one of the things that I like about flying, on, on top of really everything I like about flying, I like the airports and the experience and watching people. And I, I just like flying. Is that I get to watch movies. Uh, uninterrupted. I get to watch movies. And so I was, happened to be watching a movie called Three Identical Strangers. Now, this movie's concept, it's a documentary, and it's based on three young men who, in 1961, were born to a single mother. They were immediately taken from that single mother. She was giving them up for adoption. There was actually, we found out later, four, and one of them died. That those three boys were then given to th three separate families. And they weren't told, nor were the families told, that they were a triplet. 
They were just, here's your baby. And so they began to raise those babies, and those young men grew up, and then two of them ended up going to college. One went the next year to a, a college that somebody, their other brother had been at. And they find out, just by circumstance, that they had a twin, and then they find out that they were triplets. Now, the most interesting thing about it is as they kind of gained in popularity, as the story got picked up nationally and internationally, they talked a lot about how their lives were so similar or at least seemed to be similar. Like they all smoked and they all smoked the same brand of cigarette. They all liked uh, and had a propensity to go after older women for some reason. They all kind of went to the same school. They kind of held their arms the same way and crossed their legs the same way. They had the same taste in food and what they liked. And so they kind of thought, wow, this is so cool that we're so similar and so alike, yet we were not um, raised together. As a matter of fact, if you looked at their families, they were each raised in pretty different situations. One was very much a blue-collar family, one was one of a, a sort of a middle-class family, and one was uh, raised by doctors and, and, and a, a very wealthy family. What we come to find out, though, is that it was all planned. That there was a psychologist who was doing a study on nature versus nurture. And he had contracted with an adoption agency to take children who were twins or triplets and separate them and put them into specific families. And then, as part of the plan, someone would come and watch those children from this organization. Now, it was passed off to the parents as we just want to follow up every year on your child and see how they are assimilating into your family. But what they were really doing was paying attention to see if each child being raised in a different environment became more like their family or maintained who they were by nature. It was crazy. Insane. But it's a little bit about what Jesus is talking about here. There's an argument that goes on among the Pharisees and Jesus that's taking place in this passage. And it's really talking about, is it external things that make us holy or is it something that is internal that makes us holy? So it's not about nature and nurture as much as it's about, is there something on the outside, the actions that we do that make us right in the way that we live? Or is it something on the inside that make us right in the way that we live? That's what he delves into here. So what's taking place? If you remember last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus reached out to the unclean. That in the miracles that he did last week, which was touching a dead person, which was dealing with a demon-possessed person, and which was dealing with somebody that... Can you stop that? Thanks. <laughs> dealing with somebody that was um, having a blood issue that those were all unclean things, yet Jesus pushes in. So he says purity is not taking and standing back from things. Purity is stepping into the impure and changing it. So in that process, what we see happen is there's a conversation that takes place. And what the Pharisees come to do is they say, hey, 
We're about purity. And your disciples aren't about purity. They say, why do your disciples not wash their hands the way the elders should be washing their hands? See, here's the deal. What the Pharisees had done is they had taken this rule that was set aside that you need to clean your hands before you eat. And it was really just for the priest and the elders. But they started doing it. And because they had such an influence on those that were around them, they said, you can't be pure unless you do this. So it says, Mark says, and all the Jews or most of the Jews did this action. They would all wash their hands, even though God never called them all to do it. It was only for the elders. And they came and said, hey, why don't your disciples do this? They're unclean. Now, this is important because they wanted to show themselves as separate from the world. They wanted to show that they were really God's people. They wanted to prove that they were the ones that were following the right way to live. And how does Jesus respond to them? He looks at them. (laughs) And he says, oh, Isaiah was right about you all. When he said this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Then he goes on and he tells them this. Not only that, you're tricky. You decide that you want to do something for yourself but you need to prove it as being good for God. So your mom and dad, who I've commanded you to take care of, you say, oh, mom and dad, here's the deal. This money that's set aside to take care of you and give you good health and watch over you as you get older, I've given that to God. Now, I've given that to God by building a bigger house, or I've given that to God by getting the food that I want, or I've given that to God by doing the things that I want to do, but it's been given to God, set aside for him. So I don't have any money to take care of you, but you can't get on to me because I gave it to God. You're tricky like that. What he's talking about is legalism. Now, some of you here don't struggle with legalism. Some of us do. Some of you here will hear this sermon about the fact that we allow externals, things that we do to define us as Christians, as people that follow God, and you'll go, yeah, that's the reason why I really don't like you Christians. Rightfully so. Jesus didn't like it that much either. But some of us here, we really need to hear this sermon today. We need to hear this sermon that we put externals in the place of internals. We actually look at things and say, if I do these things, then I'll be good. I'll be right. I'll be acceptable. I'll be on the right path with God. Neglecting the heart. We put commandments of men in the place of commandments of God. So let me say, if you're here and you don't struggle with legalism, that's awesome. I do want to let you know you probably will. (laughs) Because our human hearts work that way. Our human hearts work in a way that we want to justify ourselves. We want to prove ourselves as being right. Our human hearts work in the way that we want to be seen as okay. And so in doing that, we try to find the easy ways to show ourselves to be okay. Not the hard ways. 
Because why would we go the hard way? <laughs> Let's find the easy way, right? So an easy way is just to do the externals. If I keep this law, then I'll be good. I'll be right. Jim Bars is a professor at Covenant in the States, and he wrote a, a, a lecture on what legalism is. And so just to have it be in our heads about what this is and what it does, I, I just want to share some points from him of what he says. Legalism is this. It gives us the appearance of wisdom because it shows that we observe the rules and we think that if we observe those rules, then that will grow, that we'll become more Christ-like. But what the Pharisees proved to us in this story is that just by observing the rules, which they were awesome at, it didn't help them recognize the Messiah one bit. If anything, it caused them to want to kill him. And so what reminds us is that when we step into legalism and we think, oh, it gives us the appearance of wisdom. We know how God works and we've got it all figured out. What it's going to do is lead us down a path of destruction. The other thing that legalism does is it emphasizes for us an external religious practice. It talks about what do Christians look like on the outside. Now, the most interesting thing about that one to me is that depending on what tribe of Christians you're hanging out with, they all have different outside things that show what a Christian is. Now, just think about that. Maybe if you lean to the right in your little tribe of Christianity, then you have certain things and ways that you act and you're supposed to do and things that you're supposed to hold on to. So for instance, one of those sometimes, not all the time, is, uh, can be seen as all-out support for the government no matter what they do. And if you lean to the left a little bit, it's protest the government in every step of the way. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I have my opinion on that. But what I'm saying is, if we say, well, if you do that, then you're not a believer. Or if you do that, you're not a Christian. If you do that, then you don't know who God is. If you do that, you've obviously not encountered Jesus. Then what we've done is we've put some external things on some internal things. That's what they were doing. They were saying, well, why aren't they doing what we're doing? Because we follow God and clearly they're not following God. See, here's the thing, because when we start to emphasize religious practice or the things that we do, then we also begin to emphasize being a Christian based on our interpretation of the application of that. Do you see where legalism moves you to? Who does it put on the throne? The little emperor me. It gives us the ability to move back into our hearts and say, yes, I've got this figured out. And this is what happens. Legalism either develops pride. That's what we see in, in the Pharisees, pride, right? We're the right Christians. We're doing it right. We've got it all figured out. Or it develops crippling shame. Because we keep looking and saying, I've got to do these things. And if I don't do these things, then God won't love me. And if God doesn't love me, then I'm destined to eternal punishment. And so I've got to work harder and do better to be good at what I'm doing. I can't let anybody know that I'm in a struggle. I can't let anybody know that I'm hurting. I can't let anybody know that I can't overcome this one thing. 
And so legalism, when we've put these external practices that we've lifted up and said, if, 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 then, 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 then we either get prideful because we think we're accomplishing it, and hint, that just means you've probably made those things too easy, or we're crippled by it because we think if we don't do exactly what we think God needs us to do by the way that we've interpreted it, then we are crushed in shame. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. He's looking at them and saying, look, it is not about the outside actions. Those are important, but that's not how you judge how you're living. When I was growing up, we used to talk about this thing called garbage in and garbage out, right? Do you remember that? If you put garbage in, then you're going to get garbage out. Now, that might be true with junk food. And definitely, we want to guard our hearts and minds of the things that we're watching and listening to and participating in. But Jesus is saying, no, the reason why there is garbage out there is because there's garbage in here. That's not how it started. Let's be clear. <laughs> when God created us, he created us good. When God made humanity, when he brought us into existence, when he breathed his life into us, it was very good. But now it's broken. Fallen. Not as it should be. And because it's not as it should be, our very hearts have struggles moving to the good thing that God created us to be. Instead, we allow garbage to build up in our hearts that it comes out. Now, it's great when you're teaching middle schoolers because this is an awesome passage because you get to say, Jesus talks about poo. Because his disciples are like, we're not quite sure we get this. And he says, guys, check this out. When you eat, it doesn't go to your heart. It goes to your stomach and then it leaves your body. I like that Mark made it cleaned up. My hope is that Jesus said something like, and you poo. It leaves your body. It doesn't affect you. It's not the thing that makes you defiled. It's not the thing that is unclean. What is unclean is the heart of man. Oh, we don't like to hear that, do we? We don't want to hear these things that he says. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. No, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evils, evil things come from within and they defile a person. We don't like to hear that about ourselves. We don't mind hearing that about other people. <laughs> it's really easy to point out their flaws, right? Because we look at externals. We look at the things that they're doing that are wrong according to how we think they're doing it. But the reality is, is that our hearts move towards that place. And so the question that we ask implicitly is, well, then how are we supposed to live? 
If the case is that all we do is evil, that our hearts are evil, that the thing that is within us makes us evil, then how are we then to live? Jesus doesn't answer it here in this passage. He doesn't say, oh, here's how you should then live in this passage. I want to read to you, though, from Jeremiah chapter 17. Starting in verse 7. Verse 5 to start with. Listen to what Jesus says, or what God says through Jeremiah. He says this Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the years of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Again, let me make very clear that this was not the way God created you to be. You were created good, but you are bad. (laughs) And here's our prayer. When the Lord says this, I search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his deeds. Verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Look, what happens here with the the Pharisees is they have got in their mind so much that what they're doing, their external actions are what make them right before God, that they cannot hear Jesus let them know that there is a better way. That there is a way for you to be pure on the inside and the outside. That there is a way for your motivations to be transformed from being about self to being about God. What they hear is that you're still not doing it right, Jesus. You must be killed. What they hear is I don't have an evil heart because I want to do good things. Here's the warning for us. Sometimes the deepest form of bondage we can have is to the good things we think we are doing. Now, does that mean we don't do good things? No. (laughs) It means that we do good things for a different reason. See, the point that Jesus is making here is that you're doing these good things in order to be accepted. You need to know that you're already accepted. (laughs) That you're already loved. That there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from my loving pursuit to bring you into family with me. That all that you've done, all that you will ever do, I have taken hold of and I've put it in Christ Jesus. The answer of how we should live is in Jesus Christ alone. 
that we move into him and allow our being to exist in his presence so that we know our heart is transformed that gives us the power to overcome those things that will be debilitating in bondage for us. We move to the place that God takes over. How awesome is that? But does that mean we do it well? No. I stand up here and preach most Sundays. I can assure you, I do not do it well. Just because I do that doesn't make me more loved by God. I don't do it well. Oftentimes I will look at things and go, now how do I need to do this? Or how should I overcome this? Or what is my part in this? Sometimes it's sin that I just go, hey, I want this. This is for me. I'm just going to do it. But God, through Christ, redeems even that. He says that when you fall, I am there to pick you up. That when you cry out, as Jeremiah says, heal me, make me new. This is God's promise. It was our call to worship. And I will remove the heart of stone, that heart that makes you think you're supposed to do things, that heart that makes you look at the externals instead of the things that I have done in you. I will take your heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. We are released to live by the spirit because of what Jesus has done. The answer to how we should live is we live in Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, be with us. Let us be able to do this not by our own strength or our own power, but by you and you alone. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.